Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey everyone, Salam. Welcome to Amalia Works From Home. Selena, Nafisa and I have decided to stream our daily morning meetings where we check in with each other while social distancing, share our reflections and try to keep up the morale during these uncertain times. Join us Monday to Thursday at 5pm to stay connected. This episode is brought to you by Islamic Relief, who is supporting the most vulnerable this Ramadan. As part of our partnership, we're talking Ramadan lockdown, what admin fees really are and what Ramadan goals we've set ourselves for this year. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us all to complete Ramadan. Amen. All our love and dua's. Guys, is this ASMR? Wait. Yes. And I'm immediately uncomfortable. I've got a show and tell, guys. So... The other day I was driving to go and get some shopping and I drove past this Indian restaurant and they've basically converted it into a plant shop because the context to this is because of lockdown, garden centres had to all close down. And so actually there are thousands of plants who were at risk of just being thrown away, rotting, dying. Oh and gosh. so different groups and organizations so there's like an organization called plant savers who are selling bulk plants and then some of that money goes to the nhs um and basically all these people are trying to save plants so like this restaurant like i saw about two restaurants do it they've yeah. stopped serving food and they've just transformed into like this temporary plant shop and it was literally this indian man sitting on a chair outside his shop being like here are my plants and wait then, so wait hold on are they taking care of the plants on behalf or like how are they making taking care and selling them oh i see okay but how can so, we, how can they sell them and the garden centers can't because food places are allowed to stay open oh okay non-essential oh, isn't it oh okay, okay. Um, but garden centers can't but if you think about how many plants garden centers have and this is the season oh, where they probably want bare stock. I was looking, I wanted to buy an olive tree. They've stopped the import of olive trees and rosemary um, into yeah. this country because they're, they're carrying a deadly disease. It's called Xyella or something. And it's like killing off every plant that it interacts with. So wow. they said that they've got to stop it from coming in because it would basically put our... Wow our oaks and our elms agriculture like, yeah completely it would kill off like everything basically how scary is that plant number one i was literally on facetime while i was at this place sarah yeah. and i was facetiming shilo and i was like shilo does this one look healthy oh. and she was like the thing is what you need to understand is these plants have probably been through quite a lot of trauma and you're now <laughs> adopting them and have to look after them so if they do have some dead leaves oh, um 
yesterday mm. I put out a tweet mm. and most of your sentences start with that it's I know I was, as I said it I was <laughs> like, why why Twitter is basically my way to find talking points for you guys <laughs> and backing them up um so yesterday I put out a tweet so it was like late night and I was working and then I just was thinking wait hold on let me find it yeah last night I put out a tweet and it was late night and I just tweeted and I wrote now that we've been in lockdown I don't want to go back to that life running for a train squashing up against someone's armpit wearing makeup and bra for five days a week being shattered and ordering food spending all that money on eating out and all of that travel money and I was just thinking about all the like all the things that I actually do not miss about the outside world Mm -hmm. like one of my major realizations has been that lockdown made me realize that I don't have a problem with cooking I have a problem with cooking after running around the whole of London all day and then (laughs) someone said someone tweeted and said lockdown made her realize that she doesn't have a problem with cooking she has a problem with cooking when she's run around London all day and she's having to cook for people who haven't where's the light And I'm, I, it's, isn't that so mad that we probably so many points internalized like negatives about ourselves that are actually based on ourselves. like false, yeah yeah and like really false circumstances or not false circumstances but really hard circumstances like of course you can't like be some culinary genius if you're also doing a nine-to-five with a two-hour commute either side of that or whatever yeah. or, or like you've you- got children or like of course you can't yeah. Of course I was baking bread now and making a banana bread. Yeah. Like even with takeaways, yeah. Mm. Like I'm like, I don't actually want the takeaway. What I want is just to get rid of the responsibility of feeding myself. Yeah. I'm just gonna be everybody's inner voice that is listening to this. Now I want the takeaway as well. No, (laughs) don't get me wrong. I'm treating myself here and there while I've been in lockdown and like doing like a Friday night takeaway I was just thinking like one of the things that used to really stay with me when I would have a commute is a microaggression and you know sometimes when you're commuting yeah not every day stand up for yourself in a microaggression sometimes I haven't got time sometimes it's so quick you know the Mm. microaggression is so quick like the way it's not you get barged when you're under under other yeah so tiny you can't even pinpoint if it was someone purposely doing that and then you kind of explain it away. I haven't had to do that once mm. in, in this time. You know, so we've had those stories when we walked into the office, you're like, oh, you won't believe what happened to me. <laughs> the doors were closing and this guy, rare, rare, rare. And that's and he's really taking up all this space and huffing and puffing. Yeah, and that stuff really lingers. And not only that, as obviously as a visible Muslim woman, Sometimes you get the looks and that and this, mm. and then you're like, oh no, they're just having a bad day. Oh no, they weren't looking at me. Why so the constant decision-making. Yeah, why are you obsessing about yourself? Of course they're not looking at you. Oh no, do you know what I mean? And all of this stuff. And it's just like, I haven't had any of that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, is this what it feels like to live a normal life without? <laughs> is this what it feels like to be Karen? Yeah. Like, without having any, do you know what I mean? yeah and I'm like if this is what it's like then whoa obviously we can't you know dispel the kind of the effects of, of what's happening in the media yeah. what's happening mm-hmm. in terms of coronavirus that it is you know from what we can see affecting a lot of um I'm going to use the term BAME 
um, communities, you know, of course that's having an effect on us, but I think there's something to be said about that direct face-to-face -face impact of like being discriminated against um, and having microaggressions. But I do not miss that. Even all the, imagine all those people that have, are working from home and are used to going to offices where there's office politics, office microaggression, all of that. Like I was actually saying to someone I know that um, in this time you're seeing the people who have actual talent in teams yes, because yeah. there are some people who they get by in their career by doing the office banter, office politics, going to the drinks after office, doing the bonding, blah, blah, blah. And actually they have very little to show what they do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's so many people that like they build their career, but not based on what they're doing, but based on how they're perceived. And, yeah. you know, you don't have these tabs of like, bar tabs and stuff for people to be having those personas and things like that. Like how much can you really do in like a Zoom Friday drinks that these companies are doing, you know, like, which is, I think it's, there's, while obviously this, the overall circumstances are like quite dire in terms of coronavirus, COVID, the death toll and things like that. I think there are small, small other things that just have like shifted my perspective mm. and made me rethink and things like that. Yeah. What well, don't you miss, Sarah? Involuntary FOMO, like fo <laughs> projected FOMO. I I'm I just being around anybody yeah, with yeah anybody with FOMO like I just because I was a bit of a homebody anyway but I think when I did have a bit of free time I was always like if I felt like I couldn't paint that wall or I couldn't plant that like seed or I couldn't get around to doing this because actually I should be out and doing something better with my time mm. um I think that lack of pressure to go out I feel so much happier and content like getting on with lots of things I've had yeah it's the getting mind. on like yeah. getting on in your own little yeah. unit yeah I think that's the, the thing the common thread with all the things that we're not missing I think is probably just that these are systems that have been put on us as opposed to yeah. things that we have volunteered for we've kind of just been sucked in slowly so we've been sucked into the like commute and office lifestyle and we've been sucked into the office personality and we've been sucked <coughs> into going out can i just say yeah. i never ever want to eat pret again in my life <laughs> never <laughs> i absolutely do not miss pret and when i think about how overrated pret is as a lunchtime establishment <laughs> is unbelievable and how you know much what? It's been revealed now in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I think no one will... misses prep. No one misses prep. No, guys, you know what? I, no, I, so, no. I think it will have a mad resurgence after it. If this, yeah, if it shift, will because we'll be nostalgia. out in the streets. It'll be nostalgia. It'll be, be yeah, it will be yeah. People will go to it purely for like the kicks, the nostalgia. Let's kicks. let's be really clear, yeah. The reason, and I'll I'll be really honest. I do, I like PrEP for their values. I like PrEP for the fact that, you know, they donate their food. I'm not trying to, this isn't me trying to drag PrEP and I want to make that clear. But let's be honest, PrEP does well because there are not that many other options. You know what, you know? I like that. The more you start talking about it, I keep <laughs> <laughs> The only thing... Wait, I... hold up. We made it to 2020 with, with just one sandwich shop. Exactly. Exactly, wow. Sarah. That's why wow. PrEP does well. They do well because they have... But really, service. we only have one sandwich shop. Wait, Subway. 
Most subways aren't halal. How many tuna baguettes can you eat? Guys, you know, yesterday I proper started getting excited about Ramadan. Um, for everybody that doesn't know how um, we at Amalia plan Ramadan, we basically start a couple of weeks early um, and we basically think or try and basically transport ourselves into Ramadan 2020. Obviously, all of that planning went out the window. <laughs> well, not all of it, but a lot of it because of COVID and all of this stuff. You'll know that we have our big Pinterest project. So we work with um, Pinterest every single Ramadan to basically service lots of cool content, um, all of the craft stuff, the recipes, all of that beautiful looking stuff. Um, and that really, I feel like, always brings us into the Ramadan spirit. And we usually kind of sit there as a team. Obviously, we're not sitting together, which I'm a bit sad about. And we just sit there and we blitz it out. We basically make all that content. And it really definitely brings kind of the Ramadan spirit in. And yesterday, that post that you posted about the Ramadan countdown, four days left. And I just wanted to say, I guess, thank you to the Amalia community as well. Always coming through. But the post that we put out yesterday about everyone basically sharing their goals. And like, I, I won't lie, I thought, oh, everyone's going to just be like, oh, I want to finish the Quran, want to do this, you know, but it was actually so heartwarming. I, I feel they're really beautiful. And I'm always like torn between, do I go for, you know, like have this timetable of like, here's a portion of time to do dhikr, here's where I'm going to do my sunnah, this is where I'm going to do really do have kids, isn't it? <laughs> This is where I'm going to cook for someone else. This is where I'm going to like, you know do the softer sort of stuff of like the me tea. renew your intention when you're playing with your children <laughs> and then or, and then some and then I go into this like or actually do I just do like one or two things and just do them consistently because there's that hadith of like Allah loves consistencies but then I go back into but it's Ramadan it's 30 days Got like out. you know make the most of it and someone actually said how let me just read their comment Someone said how, let me just find it. Yeah, someone said, um, I think this year I'm going to go for three things and consistently. And the three things are prayers to be prayed on time and with better quality. The second thing is upping the daily Quran. And the third thing is more heartfelt du'as. And then I thought, actually, if you choose three things, then everything else becomes a bonus. Like, mm -hmm. actually you know, it doesn't become like, oh my God, I haven't followed my hourly timetable. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> no, guys, I love your hourly timetable. That is not me. Um, I think I'm going to try and find three things and then try and stick to them. What about you? know what your three things are? Um, I, so I think one of the three is going to be trying to get as close to finishing the Quran, inshallah. Um, my other three is going to be praying Tarawi at home, but I haven't like decided like is that gonna be like every other day, every day, like how that's gonna work. Um and then my third thing, I feel like I wanna actually tie it a bit more to like community care mm -hmm. of like, you know, checking on neighbours, cooking food, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um doing th things like you know that help other people yeah. so um yeah because that's I, a I, nice balance of like yeah. self-serving versus others like yeah, it's all self-serving really but <laughs> like yeah because because i i've just left with a bit of a feeling of um i don't feel like i'm doing enough 
in serving during this pandemic mm. you know like i've signed up to volunteer for stuff like sorry did the nhs get back to you yeah so like i i just i've just been left with a bit of feeling of like i'm not doing enough but then i'm like maybe maybe i guess stuff that isn't tied to work maybe maybe i mean like saying no is because i had this conversation with a friend here i was just like yeah like you know I'm doing, and this was a point where i was doing the most i was doing community garden my kids homeschooling work going to the gym like and then i was like oh but i feel like i'm not doing enough for the community and then we have the homeschooling collective loads of things right and then I was like, oh, you know what, Bayes, I feel like I need to do more for the community. I feel like I'm not. And she looked at me blankly and she was like, you feel like you want to do more for the community and you're running a whole Amalia. Hmm. And she's like, I think what it is, is you need to review what for you it means to be doing something for the community. Hmm. For me, definitely my acts of service for Ramadan is making sure I drop like bare cooked chicken and a, and a big, big Dutch pot of rice to the mosque. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Making sure that I'm, um, you know, bringing fruits every time away and all of these things. And I think now giving during Ramadan is going to look very, very different. Like, I've definitely made it like an effort to make sure every Friday, like me and the kids are making a big deal out of it. For my kids, it's really about trying to bring alive what does charity really mean? And I guess the reward behind it. And every Friday we've been trying to choose a charity to give a little bit of money. It's not a lot. It's usually like five to seven pounds or sometimes less if they'll take it do you know what's really interesting with um charities so obviously um at the beginning of this episode sarah would have talked about how we're working with islamic relief and you know how you're talking about community offline and things like that like historically ramadan for charities is offline fundraisers going many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda-approved weight loss medications like wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. To the mask, doing all the events, all the speaking events. And so even for them, they've had to move very quickly to, as Sarah mentioned in the intro, we are working with Islamic Relief over Ramadan, as well as other organisations and charities. So do head over to Amalia, where we've got our nine-point guide to getting through Ramadan lockdown, our nine-point guide to getting through lockdown Ramadan, and it's filled with how-tos, so like how to pay tarawi at home, the du'as you need to know from like breaking your fast, um, starting your fast, as well as do was with the disease as a lot of people are going through loss during this time it also helps you understand how to calculate your zakat it's got some good deed inspo so do 
head over and if you do find it beneficial please do share it um there's also another part of our islamic relief campaign and i have this conversation every single year so every ramadan i do a public service announcement across my socials about admin fees and you know it's not the most exciting of topics but it really really has a huge impact in the way this narrative is shaped so every ramadan there's like these two camps i find there's one camp who is like 100% donation, no admin fees. And somehow that's seen as like morally a better donation to make if there's no admin fee in that sort of charity donation. Um, and I just really, really want to urge people that if you are listening to this podcast and if you are someone who judges charities based on if they're charging an admin fee or not, do head over to the site where we have got a piece breaking down what admin fees are and why they are not effective markers of a charity effectiveness. And to like give you like an analogy now, like say if I said I know a family that are really struggling during this Ramadan in London, and say if you said to me, Sarah, okay, I'll give you £20, can you go do a shop for them? Mm. And then sort of like get it together, deliver it to them. Mm. If we're thinking about me personally, I can absorb the cost of filling up my car to pet with petrol or getting on the bus, going to do that shop, buying the stuff, spending my time, maybe taking an hour or something, or if not more out of my day to go to the shop, do the shop, go to their house and do the delivery. But then imagine if you then had actually there's 500 families, right? And I managed to somehow raise money to support 500 families to do who are struggling at the moment to have a decent food shop right then i mean i I could try but it'd be beyond my capacity Mm. to try and do a shop for those 500 families and deliver it and yes you could say you know okay we could you could just find loads of volunteers and things like that but it at the end of the day to get that 20 pound having the impact that you want it to have there is logistics and administration needed to get that £20 to fulfil its And cause. I just want to add, I think, obviously, it's always a responsibility. Like you said, you know, if someone gives you £20, um, you have a responsibility to make sure you, you are, you know, buying items and then making sure that they're delivered safely as well. Like, it's not a case of like, oh, sorry, they were in the back of my truck and the eggs are crushed, the, the bread is squashed and the milk. You know what I mean? Like you have a duty and a level of care. And I think when it then grows to become a bigger scale, it's in a manner and it's a trust in it. And once it gets a lot greater, then it's really important that we manage that. And we, um, we had an article that was posted a couple of years ago, but there was a specific part of it that just breaks it down um, so well. And I'm just going to read it. And it just says, don't be put off by admin fees. And if anyone knows me as well, they'll see, they have seen, and Ramadan's gone by, me engaging in, obviously I shouldn't be fighting with anyone during Ramadan, but, you know, when people like, comment below, how dare that charity chose this. Ad-. And I used to work at... You know what? Yeah. Admin fees is the hill I am willing to die on. Because <laughs> honestly, no, honestly, I don't think people understand, like when you are judging charities by whether they charge an admin fee or not, you are, like, it is not a mark of impact. And You really- know what, you know, sometimes what I've seen now, seeing people say, 
you know, people working for charities, they're going to get rewarded by Allah anyway. They shouldn't be getting paid. And it's like, wait, hang on. They've got families. Oh, so how are they going to pay their rent for them? Yeah. That's like when they say that about yeah. imams. You know, you know I, the talk that I tell people to watch every year as well, it's a TED talk. And it's called The Way We Think About Charity is Dead Wrong. And you know, we post um, in the, um, the editorial article that yeah. puts this podcast out. But I really wanted to read this because I think just the way that it breaks it down is just, it's so easy. But yeah, I definitely do engage in a few Twitter beefs and a few Facebook beefs. Not beefs, but just like I've worked at a Muslim charity before. I've worked in the charity sector. I see money coming into the charity and what has to be done with it mm. and how mm. to get your money from here to just one country there are things that are involved and costs actually even if the charity said okay fine we're not going to pay any staff even the bank charges a fee <laughs> even the telephone that we have to pick up yeah. we have to pay the telephone company you know we can't absorb yeah. all those costs um don't be put off by admin fees all charities no matter how big or small will have admin fees and the key thing is to find a charity with a reasonable admin fee um, who deliver your day. Obviously, if you're seeing 50% admin fee, there's a problem there, right? <laughs> but this isn't what we're talking about. Um, uh, fees who deliver your donations securely and honestly. Mm. Charity admin fees are unfortunately perceived very negatively in the Muslim community, but it's important to understand why they're often necessary. When you do donate to charity, you donate expecting your personal details and your donation to be treated with the utmost security and privacy. You expect your donation to be transferred abroad or locally, and to reach the neediest of people. All of this requires staff, especially large operations. If suddenly you heard your date is not secure, you would be in uproar. How do you think that date yeah. is going to be secured? And uh, it requires someone to build a secure website that will encrypt your donor details so they can't be stolen. It requires someone to do a field visit and a scout location, find families to help. They can't just like go to a country and be like, oh, here's a family, let me help them. They need to make sure that it's going to the most needy, you know? And that requires admin tasks of finding aid providers, logistical support to get the aid where it needs to go. And it does require people to do individual distributions, like a list of tasks associated with a single donation. It is endless. Like you just break down a really small one now, like the petrol, the loading, that if you need yeah. a bigger van, like the hiring of a van, all of this takes time and you want to do it efficiently. You might want yeah. to, yeah, you said, yeah, you could get people to volunteer and it does work. It, it works to a certain point. But there comes a point where you need a level of professionalism and efficiency as well. When you're administering like millions of pounds of money, you know, you you can't rely on just free help, you know. Thanks for that, Shalil. Very good. It's all right. I just, I feel like, and alhamdulillah, we're able to work with um, charities that we our values actually align. You know, admin fee is something that you and me are constantly banging on about like every single round the amount of conversations i've had with family and friends i'm like guys you know not that i'm discounting any charities that have no d admin fee you know it's it's really important for us but, to research and look into what we're we're actually signing up for as well the thing to understand as well is if there are charities that are advertising 100 percent donation no admin fee it's not that they don't have admin costs. They are just using different pots of money to cover those costs. So it might be that they have really wealthy trustees. It might be that they have other bits of fundraising in their charity. Like you, you cannot administer money as a charity without having some sort of cost to it. Um, and there's a, is, there's a breakdown in the article that we've put up and it's a, it, with Islamic relief. So for every one pound donation, 87p goes straight to the person in need. 4p of that one pound is used for admin 
and the 9p of that one pound is used to raise more money and so when you see this sort of breakdown and when you see what you understand you understand that admin fees are not the bogeyman of every Ramadan you know <laughs> like and it has become a bit like admin fees are the bogeyman and we must like you know <laughs> ignore that's it <laughs> No, honestly, most of my sentences on Facebook start with, I used to work for the charity sector and, um, and alhamdulillah, like, I think sometimes it's access to information and I think it's really good actually how Islamic Relief and other charities also break down the admin fee. I think what that also shows is they know exactly where your money's going, like penny by yeah. penny. Obviously, if yeah. you're going to a charity and they're like, oh, some of it may go to this, some, and they don't have a clue, like, then I'm a little bit wary. I need you to account for the money that you're, you're kind of, you're getting because like I said, it's yeah. an amana. It's a trust. Um, off record. But I also, th I, I think this is also um, a matter of like people, that whole conversation about, oh, should shakes or people who are teaching mm -hmm. knowledge get paid, you know, mm -hmm. just like, it's so weird that we have this moral hierarchy of like, you're not allowed to pay your bills if you're doing a good job. Um, I'm part of loads of different groups like for kids classes and homeschooling and stuff like that and the amount of like th there'll be like an Arabic teacher and she's like oh this is how much I charge for um, Arabic lessons and then you'll get attached you'll get a tirade of abuse because it's like oh you're teaching the Quran subhanallah sister you shouldn't be charging money for this it should be feasible and I'm like hang on she's trying to make halal income out here you lot are berating her for trying to make a halal income where do, she, where do you expect yeah she's given away she didn't have to do that she could choose a different and career it, it then means that we have a barrier to entry into who gets to teach knowledge who gets to work for for good causes if we have such an issue with people getting paid and i would really really urge you guys to watch um that ted talk because it breaks all these things down and you know some research has actually shown that high performing charities have actually been shown to spend more on administration than weaker charities of that aren't as high performing and again like that um that talk the talk sort of breaks that down into like admin fees and understanding why you need to actually invest into charities in order to make them more effective if you have a bake sale yeah and you say okay i'm not going to put any money into marketing i'm not going to put any money into anything and it's just you baking and you do it and then imagine if you actually put marketing into it, if you hired people to be able to run 10 bake sales and, you know, you start building it up into something that if you put this much money in, you can actually raise this much money out of it. Absolutely. Is that, is that it for us, guys? Um, I just want to say, well, like, there's actually so much, like, evidence. Like, this isn't just stuff, like, off a whim. Like, you've got places like the Charity Commission like give well and giving evidence who actually are conducting like wide research and they look into you know how much a charity is spending what they're you know sorry not how much a charity is spending how much they're raising versus what their admin fee is what they're you know all of these different things and they've actually you know a lot of these studies are showing that the charities that have admin costs i'm not saying have higher but have an admin cost are the charities that are performing better and in terms of performing, for me, it also gives me kind of, I guess it's in good faith I can trust, right? It's that whole in good faith I can trust that to the best of my knowledge mm. that my money, based on the research that I've done, is going to um, who they say it should 
who they say it's going to go to yeah. and they're trying to find the most efficient way to um you know spend it they're not transporting the the goods for example for a homeless shelter in a lamborghini that guzzles gas like just do you know what i mean because some like yeah. they're being responsible with that and i guess it's a reminder to charities as well but you know this is something they're doing day in and day out inshallah as a mummy i think it's a really good um like a really easy like ramadan thing you can do is get like an old jar and i'm sure mums are doing uh, mums and dads are doing this across the country um inshallah but it's really important and I, my kids really have it and do it and they get a bit competitive as well to see like whose money box is heavier obviously we don't promote stealing but i think they do steal a couple of coins the odd coin from my purse and my coat and then um basically five days before ramadan inshallah we'll choose and i'll speak to them about where the money's going do they want it local global and all of that stuff um and i just think it's really nice like to continually talk to them about what sadaqah is and mm -hmm. the rewards of sadaqah i think with kids as well it's one thing encouraging them to do good deeds but i think mm -hmm. when you tell them what the reward is they're like oh my days mm -hmm. like there's so much more kind of excited to do it. and you will be excited as well like the halakha mm. that I was listening to yesterday, she made such a good point. She's like, make a list of all the deeds you want to do in Ramadan. And then beside that, make a list of all the rewards Allah has promised us in the Quran if you do that deed. And I'm oh, just like... That is so wow. smart. It's so smart, right? And it's so encouraging like for you to revisit. Like, like me, obviously, I, I like gardening. So when I'm, I'm hearing that, so if I smart. recite this, I'm going to get palm trees built for me in Jannah. Uh, but there'll be palm trees waiting for me you know every... it's so the palm trees one is subhanallah wa bihamdihi that's it so like for that for me it's like an exercise and visualization as well like the moment you say that like even to the kids i said oh well let's see it again say it again there's a palm tree you know going in jannah for us right now and then like with the kids like for them it's like magic they're like mm. right now mama i'm like well now it's about six and I think it's really important that you account, like for whatever act of sadhaka you're doing it, whether it's donating money, money, whether you're feeding the birds, whatever it is, like what is the reward for that? Yeah. You know, I just feel like, you know, with Islam, like it, it suits like every single personality type. If you're goal orientated, you know, do that. If you're someone who loves being around people, you know, it just suits like every single personality type, like you're, your deen and the way you practice your deen can be so, um, I don't want to say personalised, but mm. unique to you sort of thing. No, definitely. You know what, when we were, t I think this was maybe one podcast behind or... Um, the girl with the drama thing. No, you know, when I was uh, talking about Waraka, he was the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, good friends, basically. And then um, the series is basically the first by Omar Suleiman. And Waraka was like, he was very studious he was um celibate from our knowledge he wasn't married he you know he studied a lot and he was by himself and then you have someone like Omar bin Khattab then you have someone like Khadija who's a businesswoman I think what it is as well we can identify with some somebody in mm. the sila and I think it, that that in itself is amazing and like you said Nafu um especially this Ramadan is built for all of us for some of us like we can do those night acts of worship for some of us we're yeah. really good at reading the arabic and the quran for some mm -hmm. of us we want to sit there and we want to study a surah like I, I think that's one thing i do want to say what works for you keep doing it as well mm -hmm. like if yeah. you're someone that just likes to engage in the kid just know that you will be rewarded 70 for is it 70 fold 70 fold 
um or even more like we don't know isn't it it's it's Okay, um, um, whether you're listening to this in Ramadan or Ramadan, whenever, may Allah grant you a good Ramadan, inshallah. I'm gonna keep inshallah. it nice and brief, inshallah. I mean, make the work um, for us, you're in our du'as, and that's about it. Thanks, alaikum. See you later. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode. Every now and then we partner with companies to bring you sponsored content. This helps keep us going at Amalia. We strive to ensure we maintain the same editorial integrity integrity across our channels that keeps you engaged in our non-sponsored content. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support our production, head on over to amalia.com support. Like, share, subscribe and we'll see you on the next one. 